630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Riley drops back, looks, looks, dances and throws, and he's going deep down the field. Oh, what a catch by Darrell Walker, who skipped his way to the end zone. He'll drop it off to Pouillon, twist it back to McDavid, inside to Everly, reshot, score! 3-0 Jordan Everly from Connor McDavid, and the Oilers are pouring it on, Craig Anderson and the hapless Senators. It's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chet. Well, we're just a day away from the non-Canadian version of the National Hockey League playoffs. We'll talk about those tonight and we will continue our coast-to-coast tour of Failure Nation. Is that too harsh? All seven Canadian teams out of the playoffs. Of course, we've done plenty of Oilers chat on that. We had Calgary yesterday. Tonight, we'll go to Montreal and Winnipeg. The Canadians playing most of the season without one of the best players in the entire league. Obviously, that hurt them. And the Jets, kind of like the Flames, high hopes after making the playoffs last season, but a big drop-off. So we'll go to both those cities. Jeff Merrick from Sportsnet is on the show tonight as well. We'll keep you updated on the Blue Jays game. There is some uh, NHL news today out of uh, out of Ottawa. They have fired head coach Dave Cameron. We'll have a little bit on that in a couple of minutes. Uh, the central scouting rankings are out for the uh, final period. So uh, we'll tell you how that went. Obviously, Austin Matthews right up there for the European skaters. Of course, he played in Europe this past season. And I want to congratulate the Bentley Generals right off the top of the show. They win their opener at the Allen Cup today, 8-2 over Stony Creek, Ontario. They're 1-0. They close out the pool play tomorrow against the Ildeshane North Stars, the winner of that game gets a bye straight into the semifinals. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. It is Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. It is 6.09 in the p.m. I'm glad you wanted to come along for the ride tonight. We're going to have some fun. By the way, I've written a a love letter tonight, something I do periodically whenever the mood strikes me. Uh, Today's object of my affection is the first round of the NHL playoffs, and I will uh, give you that touching, perhaps tear-jerking letter in about four or five minutes. Matthew Panashik is on the other side of the window this evening, working hard as the studio producer. Matthew, I know you got to work a little of overtime today, so thank you so much for your continued commitment to the excellence of Inside Sports. No problem, Reed. Working with the best. you got to be the best on the other side of the glass as well. He's like, excellence? What are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> all right. News out of Ottawa today. Dave Cameron fired as head coach. He went 38-35-9 this season. His total record with the Sens, 70-50-17. Pierre Dorian of, Dorian, of course, the new GM of the uh, Senators, taking over from Brian Murray, had this to say about needing to make a change. Our special teams were at the bottom of the league this year. Um, the way we played in our own end was a major area of concern. To me, giving up the first goal 51 times this year and being outshot 51 times was something that we needed to change. All right. Dorian also saying that they have to get better defensive structure in Ottawa. When you look at our team, not that I want to 
oversell our team, but we have the potential of nine guys that could possibly score 20 goals. We're definitely going to look at someone who can make a commitment to have our players play defense. And this isn't just on the coaches. It's on the players too. All right, so that's the news out of Ottawa today. Dave Cameron fired. Some news here with your Edmonton Eskimos this afternoon. They have rounded out the coaching staff. Demetrius Maxey becomes the linebacker's coach. Carson Walsh, the receiver's coach. Maxey, you probably remember him. He was a pretty good player. 13 years in the CFL. Four Grey Cup championships. Uh, what, three as a player, another one as... Uh, with Calgary where he was director of player personnel. He played for the Baltimore Stallions, the Alouettes, the Argos, the Riders, and the Stampeders, two-time CFL All-Star team, and yeah, three Grey Cups as a player. Uh, he actually won three in a row, 95 to 97, just given the way his career progressed. Last season, he was D-line coach and special teams coordinator at Missouri Valley College. Carson Walsh, meanwhile, uh, was with the uh, Chicago Bears as a quality control coach in 13 and 14. Last year, an offensive consultant for the University of Minnesota Golden Gophers. He has been in the CFL before. He was a Montreal Alouettes offensive assistant in uh, 2010, and uh, they won the Grey Cup that year. He also uh, was a Alouettes wide receivers coach. So the Edmonton Eskimos rounding out their coaching staff. They made that announcement around 5.30 this afternoon. Uh, all right, uh, plenty to get to. I, I want to I get to something here. Just from yesterday, I, I, I had Cam Talbot on the show. I, I talked to him on Sunday. We played it on Inside Sports last night. I asked him about uh, the workload that he had this season. He wound up with 56 games, the most he's ever played in the NHL. My body feels great. Like I said, I feel like I could have played another 28 down the, in the playoffs and stuff like that. If, if need be, hopefully in the near future that will be a case. But, um, I mean, to play 56 games and, and only play four games but in a six-week stretch there, I feel like uh, it was a pretty heavy workload uh, throughout the rest of the season. But I feel like next year I could come in and play 65, 70 games if they wanted me to. Um, they're pretty good about um, giving the, the maintenance days and time off for, for guys like that and stuff. So, I mean, they'll, I'm sure they'll make it easy enough to, uh, to transition to more games, and I'm looking forward to the opportunity. All right, so a little bit from Cam Talbot, and that number stands out to me. 65 to 70 games if they want him to. He went to 56 this year, and he made a good point. He had a six-week stretch where he only played four times, and then he took over, and Nielsen didn't play much, and uh, Brassois didn't play much. I liked a lot of what I saw from Talbot this season. Very good save percentage over the uh, final basically four months of the season. And he seems to me the guy that is works hard and is very committed, which you should expect from guys in the NHL. But but I think he has that, and he I think he wants it. You know what? Like you know, there's that fine line. Some athletes really want it. Some guys you know will try to take it if it's offered to them. But I think Talbot is of the mentality that he wants to grab it and take it and and be the man. He's not an outwardly demonstrative or, or cocky person or anything like that, but he does seem to have that drive, so that's important. So I found that interesting talking about Camp Talbot. So the playoffs starting up tomorrow. So, Panashik, is your interest affected here with no Canadian teams? No, I'm a hockey fan, which means I love to watch hockey, and I love to see overtime, I love to see the action reads, so no, I'm going to watch the playoffs just like I normally do every year. 
All right. I, I honestly, for me, as uh, my, my interest is affected. It, it really is. Uh, I don't know. Of course, I'm going to watch, and my job dictates that that I that I follow it fairly closely. But I but I do think that that for me, I know that the with probably a couple of exceptions, the the markets that are in the playoffs this year, the team just doesn't mean as much to them as as it does to Canadian fans, and and that may and that makes a difference to me. I just know that. If another Canadian team is on the ice, you know, we all understand what those fans are going through and how bad they want their team to be successful and how they're living and dying with the team. And that kind of affects my interest in watching it because I know probably fans of the Florida Panthers aren't as passionate as the large majority of Canadian hockey fans. And for me, that factors into it. It just factors into the whole hubbubaloo surrounding the series. But nonetheless, the first round of the playoffs, generally the most exciting. And that's why I've decided to craft a little love letter tonight. Dear first round of the NHL playoffs, I love you. I'm all ready to go. I have new batteries at the remote control and enough snacks to last through triple overtime. I look forward to the best two-week relationship I've ever had. Well, except for Cindy and University, of course. I still want my Seinfeld t-shirt back, Cindy. Oh, first round of the NHL playoffs. Can't wait to travel with you. We'll go so many places together in the days to come. The thriving arena district in Nashville the sunny beaches of California. That place in Florida where they decided to randomly build a hockey rink. No, 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 no. It's left at the retirement village. You're just so exciting opening round. 16 teams all furiously fighting to advance. Now as a Canadian, if my favorite team didn't get in, I can just pick another Canadian team to cheer for. Yeah, let's go Canada. Bring the cup home. Someone, anyone, maybe next year or before 2025? Is that a realistic goal? It's too much to ask. Anyone? You know what I really like about you first round? It's how you give fans an excuse to sit on their couches for hours every night. Spring cleaning? It can wait. Walk the dog? He can wait. Talk to my loved ones? I haven't heard from them since the first round last year. Oh, it's going to be a wild love affair first round of the NHL playoffs. I hope you have protection. Against concussions, of course. All my love, Reed Wilkins. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Toronto Blue Jays beating the Yankees 2-1. They're in the top of the fourth. Jays coming into the game at 3-4. Yankees at 3-2. Got some text here to 630-630. Gabriel says the playoffs with no Canadian teams is like trying to watch the Masters with no Tiger. Not fun to watch. That is from Gabriel. 
And Topher Allen says, uh, hey, Reed, with the Jets and Flames out, not to mention all the Canadian teams out, the playoffs just don't have that level of excitement that last year did. I will still watch if the Jays... Uh, I will still watch uh, if the Jays or the news is on or there isn't a rerun of Corner Gas. I will watch again when the Oilers make the playoffs. That is from Topher Allen. Uh, Topher Allen also pointing out, it sounds like the Senators could have used an Oscar Clefbaum on their roster. It's a little in-joke between Oscar, between Topher Allen and me. (laughs) 780-496-0063, by the way, is the open line number. We're going to have Louis Jean out of Montreal coming up after the 6.30 news at, what is it, 6.52, Matthew? we got to put some political stuff on. Yes, we do, Reed. The address from Wild Rose Party leader Brian Jean, his response to Premier Notley's economic address from last week. That'll be from about 6.52 to the top of the hour, inside sports before and after that. Uh, Gabriel texted in about the Masters. Did you see James Duffy from TSN got to play Augusta? They have a draw for media guys to play it the Monday after the tournament. So he got drawn this year, got to play. That's pretty cool, eh? That's awesome, man. That'd be like a dream come true. That's like golfing on the holy grail of golf courses. I mean, top top three, it'd be Augusta, uh, St. Andrews for me, and I'd, I'd probably go Pebble Beach. Though there could be other options in there. I mean, I might, I might want to golf Chambers Bay just to see how bad it is. That's where the U.S. Open was last year. 625 Inside Sports on 630 Ched. Uh, of course, all year long, Action Furnace has brought you your Oilers report. Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. Of course, uh, the Oilers done for the season. We'll be keeping an eye on their farm team. We'll be keeping an eye on the players playing at the World Hockey Championships, several Oilers going overseas for that. Bernie says, The Masters weren't fun to watch. Your other texter is nuts. That Sunday collapse was highly entertaining, plus three hole-in-ones. Well, Bernie, I always watch. I watch golf before Tiger, during Tiger, and after Tiger. I would say golf is actually my third favorite sport to watch after hockey and football. I know that puts me in the minority with many of you, but that's uh, I just enjoy it. And, yeah, what a round on Sunday. I mean, what a transition over that 45, 50 minutes of Spieth having the lead and, and Willett taking over. I've been reading a lot about collapses in sports, collapses in golf. I don't even think what Spieth—I don't think it's as bad as Vandeveld, Vandevelde. I don't think it's as bad as uh, even Phil Mickelson in the U.S. Open in 2006 because those were all on— one hole. You know, Spieth, yes, it was on one, pardon me, those were all on the last hole. Spieth was mainly on one hole, but he still had time to get it back, and other things had to happen for him to lose. Anyway, uh, that was pretty incredible. Here's what's coming up tonight. Louis Jean out of Montreal to break down what went wrong for the Habs. He's after the news. Jeff Merrick from Sportsnet is going to join us tonight. He's always fun to talk to. And uh, Michael Oshry in studio. Yes, he's a city councillor and a huge Oilers fan, so we'll get some perspective on that. I guess I'm supposed to ask him about the City of Champions sign. That should be interesting. And we'll touch on some other things with him as well. That's going to be a fun segment. Kelly Moore from our sister station, CJOB, in Winnipeg. The Jets, a disappointing year for them. Kelly will break it down 
some of the pluses and the minuses. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chat. Back after the news. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chat. All right. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chat. Yeah, that Eskimos news again today. They have finalized their coaching staff. Demetrius Maxey, the new linebackers coach. Carson Walsh, the new receivers coach for the green and gold. So now they are ready to rock and roll. Thanks for joining us. My name is Reed Wilkins. It is 6.33. You have probably, well, maybe not probably, but I'm sure some of you have been to the site NHLLotterySimulator.com. Pretty simple. It lists the teams and their odds. You hit pick winner three times, and it gives you first, second, and third pick. So I thought I would do it just for fun. And how fitting that the Montreal Canadiens came up as the team getting the number one pick, followed by Toronto and Vancouver. If that were to happen in real life, the Oilers would drop down to fourth. The Canadians, a 5% chance of winning the draft lottery. And as we continue to go coast to coast for all our non-Canadian, or our, pardon me, our non-playoff brothers and sisters from coast to coast, we bring in Louis Jean from TVA Sports. Louis, thanks for making time for us on Inside Sports. So there you have it, buddy. If, 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 if the people uh, of Montreal should just have faith in my lottery simulator, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How about you do that another 99 times and see how, how often that comes up? But uh, I'm sure they would like, uh, they would very much like if that's how it all unfolds uh, when, the, when the lottery actually takes place at the end of the month. Uh, I mean, look, we're a hockey-mad nation, but perhaps Montreal takes the cake in that department if, and I, again, it's a 1-in-20 chance, if the Montreal Canadiens were to draft first overall and take Austin Matthews, I mean, what would it be like for that young man in that city? It would be absolutely nuts. Um, it would be, you know what, Montreal had, uh, I don't know if it could be equivalent because they got Carey Price, but for them he became... A franchise player but if an Austin Matthews came to Montreal I mean it would be unthinkable he would become an instant superstar and they would have to find ways to make sure that he could focus on hockey but it would be extremely extremely difficult because he would become you know way up there with with uh, you know with Carey Price in terms of being an impact player a franchise player in Montreal there is no question about that yeah, I can't imagine what I mean. I mean, look, there's was huge hype around Connor McDavid here in Edmonton, but I but I think it would even be beyond that if if a player of Matthews can. I mean, and the Canadians haven't had the first overall pick since what they got Lafleur, I think. Exactly. Well, you know what I mean. I'd have to go and and uh, I'd have to look that up, but I think that's accurate. Yeah, I don't think they've had a number one pick overall since at least in those years. So. Yeah. Can you imagine? Wow, that'd be nuts. Yeah. Well, it, uh, it it was it's actually hard to imagine what happened to the Canadians in season, because at one point they were 19-4 and three as late as December 2nd. They were first overall in the NHL, and then they fall they fell out of it 19-34 and three over the rest of the schedule. I, I guess my question for you is, and you've been around them, 
how much is simply they lost arguably the best player in the league, which can't be easy. How much was there were other deficiencies that may have been exposed anyway? Well, I mean, you know, to put it in context, as you mentioned, I mean, they lost the most important player at the most important position. That is undeniable, but it's a lot more than that. And I think depending just on Carey Price's injury, um, you know, would be unfair and uh, and would be, you know, putting rose-colored glasses and not uh, really looking at the facts. There's a lot of guys that underachieved this year. There's a lot of guys that didn't perform. And, uh, and to a certain degree, I think that... Uh, maybe used Carey Price's injury, not, not as an excuse because I don't think the guys purposely tried to tank or, but, you know, it got to a point where, you know, when the snowball effect, when the snowball got so big, they were unable to, they were unable to take control again. And so to me, you know, that's really what the, it's, it's on the veterans. It's on a lot of players that just weren't able to stop the bleeding and I think that that has to be a big question mark right now for this organization. So we're talking, we're talking leadership, we're talking resilience, all those kind of intangible things we like to say make good hockey teams? Yeah, of course. And you know what? When you think about it, I mean, they had Josh Georges and they had Brian Gianta in the past. And when they decided they wanted to go a different route, a different route I mean, it made sense because they felt that those players weren't able to, to really help them enough moving forward but on the flip side they weren't able to replace those intangibles they weren't able to, to replace that leadership that 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 those two players brought and so when you name a new captain in max patrick there's growing pains and we saw that this year and i don't want to just pin it on max patrick because he did a very good job nonetheless but i think the leadership group the, the core of the team weren't able to to take control and as i say just stop the slide when things are going miserably wrong for them and I think it also shows, and it pinpoints the importance and the impact of a guy like Carey Price because he is, as I mentioned before, the franchise player, but he is such an important piece and such an important cog for that team. You know, he's a guy who he didn't need to say much, but when he was in, in the locker room, his calming presence just had such an impact. And with him not being there, I think maybe there's certain players that took liberties, there's certain players that maybe didn't uh, or tried to play a bit of a bigger role or or come out of their comfort zone, which didn't end up working in the end. So it just shows you the importance of number 31 for the Canadians. All right. Uh want to thank uh, Golden Bear texting in to remind me. Yes, thank you very much. Doug Wickenheiser, first overall to the Canadians in 1980, out of the Regina Pats. Uh, Lafleur was first overall in 71. So it's still been a while, obviously, and I think the – the hype would be different around an Austin Matthews than it would have a, a, a Doug Wickenheiser. Oh, yeah. yeah. Today's the day and age, absolutely. Louis Jean joining us from TVA Sports in Montreal, breaking down a disappointing season for the Montreal Canadiens. Man, I've used that word disappointing a lot over the last, over the last few days. Um, P.K. Subban, I mean, what's this? I mean, I mean they, they've had to answer the question. Do you, do you actually think they ever seriously considered or would ever seriously consider in the short term trading him? I don't think it's option, you know, number one, but I think it's uh, I think it's a possibility. There's no question, um, you know. And 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 uh, with everything that went on this year, as much as he's an impact player, as much as he's a game changer, as much as he's almost impossible to replace, because if you think about defensemen that can log, you know, 30 minutes a night, guys who are very seldomly injured, he never gets hurt, other than what happened at the end of the year, and even there, I mean, there's question marks. Uh, you know, it, it's, uh, 
difficult to replace. But, you know, there's no question that there's, that there's a rift. There's no question that there was frustration. There's no question that not everybody appreciates his swagger or what he brings, uh, you know, sometimes to the locker room. I mean, he is a guy that cares, I think, as much if not more than anybody. He wants to win. But the way he does things sometimes rubs people the wrong way. Look, I mean, here's a guy, when you want to really think about it, here's a guy who gave $10 million to a local children's hospital. And who is the finalist for the King Clancy Award handed out to uh, community involvement? It's Max Pacioretty. And it's voted by who? By his teammates. What does that tell you? I mean, you don't have to analyze or overanalyze. I mean, you know, there's nobody that did more. I mean, guys do a lot of stuff, and it's not always as, as, as publicized as everything is with P.K. Subban because as soon as he does something, it's, it's, you know, it's public knowledge. People know about it because he's so popular and everything, because of his status. But the reality is, as I said, to me, the King Clancy Award is, is a bit of a slap in the face for him. It has to be. It has to be extremely frustrating. That, that's fascinating to hear because, as I'm sure you know, the, the Edmonton Oilers and their fans would love to have a defenseman who was 75 to 80% as good as P.K. Subban because he would be oh, the best. Of, he would be the best of, like 80% of P.K. Subban would be the Oilers' best defenseman and they would <laughs> never want to trade him. So the fact if that, it, that. Yeah, yeah, like the fact that it could be even re- remotely considered in Montreal, I, I find quite fascinating. I know it, it is. And, and I think it comes down, bottom line, is it comes down to if you had stronger leadership, if you had, you know, some guys that have been, been through the ropes a little bit more, I think that would make a big difference. I think you wouldn't be having this conversation. But in all honesty, yesterday what Mark Bergevin said is, that, look, I'm not planning on trading him. But he didn't unequivocally say he wouldn't trade him. He said, look, you know, there are very few uh, players that are untradeable. Wayne Gretzky was traded. He used the cliche that we hear all the time. But that's not to say that they're not going to look at their options. I will say this. His contract, his no-trade, no-move clause, kicks in on July 1st. Between now and then, I guarantee you they will see and they will gauge and they will look at what they would get and they will consider their options. I'm not saying they want to make the trade because if you're going to move a big piece like that, an impact player like that, a superstar like that, you better win the trade. And that's what Mark Bergevin is going to have to do. But is he considering it? There is no question in my mind that right now internally they're having talks and saying, okay, what would we get and how much, you know, how, how far down the road do we want to go with it? And I think they'll probably go down the road considerably. I think they're, they're certainly looking at the options. Okay. Before I let you go, Louis, thanks for being so generous with your time. i got to ask you about Michelle Therrien. i got a couple buddies here in, in Edmonton that are Canadians fans and would be thrilled if Michelle Therrien was never behind the Montreal Canadiens bench again. Um, how much of this season falls on him, and maybe what's his uh, his uh, relationship like with the fan base right now? Well, I think there's frustration, um, you know, but... The general manager just has tremendous faith in the guy. So he believes he's willing to put his head, you know, and his job on the line, basically, for this guy. He feels that he's a good enough coach. So I trust Mark Bergevin. I think he's a, he's a very capable, very knowledgeable, very, uh, you know, uh, good hockey man. And so if he's willing to, to, to go there, that's fine. But you better get off to a good start. There's obviously frustration. And to me, you know, you can point the finger at a bunch of different areas. 
you know, in terms of the disappointment this year, the debacle, call it whatever you want. But it also comes down to coaching. A lot of guys had subpar seasons, and that, to me, is on the coach. You know, he's responsible for making sure that the Plekinets and, and, you know, and I could put down the whole list of players, they are supposed to produce. That is his responsibility. And the Canadians underachieved, and so that is on him. There is no question. He's going to start with a fan base that is very reluctant, that is very unsure about him to start the season. And so it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens. But the Canadians better come out all uh, guns a-blazing because if not, the fans will be hurt. Louie, really fascinating stuff. That's going to be one of uh, one of many markets to keep an eye on over the next few weeks and leading into the draft. Thanks so much for your time, man. I hope you're getting a little bit of a break here. <laughs> no, you know what? We've got playoffs starting tomorrow, so we're going to be quite busy. But thanks for this. Appreciate it. Right on. That is Louis Jean checking in from TVA Sports in Montreal. And, uh, yeah, interesting stuff he brought up there about the King Clancy Award. P.K. Subban gives $10 million to a local hospital. And... Uh, Max Pacioretty gets voted for the King Clancy Award by his teammates as the uh, guy doing the best in the community. Interesting stuff. I'm surprised no one has yet texted in a trade suggestion for P.K. Subban. You guys must be off your game. You must be a little a little sleepy, a little punch drunk from the Oilers' season tonight. Uh, 6.46, we got to take a timeout. We have Jeff Merrick coming up between 7 and 7.30, and we have the uh, Brian Jean, the Wild Rose Party leader, his response to Premier Notley's economic address last week. We have Brian Jean's comments coming up in about five or six minutes. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.